0: Welcome back everybody to another episode of Upress Play Sports and for our first episode of the spring semester I'm your host and staff writer Richard Pereira joining me today is sports editor Cameron Priester and staff writer Zachary Watts. Hey guys how's it been going I know we had a great winter break I'm sure we had a great winter break and a lot of stuff has happened with FU sports and especially within basketball especially for the, men's, for the men's basketball team, a lot of stuff to go over. So I want to know how you guys doing today before we get started.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, feeling good. Glad to have us all back here again this semester. Um, you know, it, it was unfortunate that there was a lot of sports things that were happening within the FAU and um, national environment. That we just weren't able to touch on, just because we've had some time apart. But I think it was also a good thing, you know, just refresher that, you know, just because we took some time off doesn't mean sports ever stop going, and we have plenty of stuff to catch up on. So hopefully, this will be a fun pod.
2: Yeah, um, I enjoyed my winter break. Um, Hope you guys did as well. A lot of good stuff to talk about. So ready to get to it. Yeah,
0: definitely. And we are going to start off with FIU men's basketball. Um, this past week, they got past their in-state rivals in FIU on the road in a 77-73 overtime victory and followed that up with an excellent 66-62 victory over North Texas, who is arguably their toughest opponent in the con- in Conference USA. And last night, torched Western Kentucky in the second half especially as they went on to coast to a 76-62 victory. And with those wins, they now extended their winning streak to 16 straight wins, which is the longest streak in in, in program history, as they are currently 24th in the AP poll, uh, which is their first ranking in that poll for the first time ever. So a lot of history these guys are making. They have a 17-1 record overall, 7-0 in conference play. So, guys, I, I want to know, is this the best FBU squad that has ever existed in program history?
1: Um, you know, I'm eager to say yes, just for the fact that record doesn't lie. Um, but not only record, if you watch how we play games, um, this is probably the most mentally solid squad I've seen play in a long time. Um, they just play a lot of fundamental team basketball. There's a lot of games I've seen throughout the year thus far um, where we've been down late in the game, but yet we just find ways to keep pulling off win after win. And it's exceptional to see, you know, I can't say enough about coach May and what he's put together this year. Um, We've had a lot of transfers that have come in, uh, make immediate impacts. Um, Our bench depth, you know, we, it's not like we have any guys on the bench that are kind of like not leaving their mark. It feels like everyone is doing something to help the team win games, um, especially down the road, especially uh, last night, you look at the Western Kentucky game where we were, You would have never thought we were losing this game at any point, but just the depth and how strong we played till the last whistle, um, we were able to pull out a huge win there. But overall, I mean, just great team basketball. It seems like the guys love it. The stadiums are packed. Crowds are loving it. Um, Unfortunately, I was going to go to the game, but ended up missing it last minute for some other things. But I wish I could have made it. I definitely will make one before the end of the year because that environment looks electric.
2: Uh, same thoughts here. This team is so talented. It's amazing to just watch and be able to be like here on campus. Wallace is taking place. It's awesome. This team's just so talented. They've proved they can win from behind. They've done it from like I think their past three or four games. They've had to come behind against North Texas. It was a pretty large deficit at one point. I want to say eleven points. May I want to say eleven points they had to come back from, and. They've, pro- they've proven they can win in games where they don't, like, win how they want to, if that makes sense. They like to win by burying you from three. They shoot the lights out from three. But um, even on the games where they've kind of struggled from deep, uh, some of these conference games where it's been kind of close and they've kind of tried to force those shots from deep a little bit and it hasn't working, they've still been able to um, pull out these, these wins. I want to give a shout out to um, John L. Davis. He's been on a tear since our last time meeting. 36-point um, performance, and he's had double-digit points in I think their last five games now. And it seems like every moment when they need a big shot, he's the one they call on, and he comes up with it. And he's just been fantastic in this break we've had. So it's it's awesome. And um, they've kind of been through... I don't want to say the gauntlet of their schedule, but they played North Texas twice already. They've got the game at UAB out of the way. Um, they have to travel to UAB, and um, they played Northwestern Kentucky again, but the meat of their schedule, they've survived with one loss. So let's not get ahead of ourselves, but this this team is just so great to watch and so talented. So it's it's awesome.
0: Yeah, definitely. And as I keep looking at the squad, you like you have uh, some names that usually would be in the starting lineup, like Elijah Martin, who has been coming off the bench recently these past couple of games, and he's still being productive. And you look at Janelle Davis, it could be in the starting lineup, he's coming off the bench, he's still being very productive, like he recently had a 36 point game against uh, UAB, which was very crucial. And then you see him come through in big moments, especially against North Texas. And And then you have Michael Forrest, who was in the starting lineup last year. He's he's come off the bench this whole season, and he's still producing. Like This squad is the most balanced that it's ever been. And while they still have yet to achieve the feat that their 2002 counterparts did, which was reaching the NCAA tournament, they have a very good chance of making March Madness this year if they keep this winning streak up and pretty much have probably one of the best records in the country. And as we look at this week's upcoming matchups, they take on UTSA on Thursday at 8 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus, and then two days later against UTEP at 9, 8, and 9 p.m. on also on ESPN+. Plus. Both are in Texas, so we'll see how the Owls do on their, te- on their road trip to Texas. And as we move on from men's basketball, we head on to women's basketball. Well, it's... After a very strong start, after finishing up their non conference games, they've been up and down in conference play. They currently have a 10 and 6 record, and in conference play, they have a 3 and 4 record. And they lost back to back matchups this past week to North Texas. Well, uh, before the, to the, the losses to North Texas and Western Kentucky, they did get away with a 76 66 victory over FIU uh, last Wednesday. And then, uh, then lost to North Texas, seventy-five to fifty-nine. Then seventy-six to sixty-six, coincidentally, to Western Kentucky uh, last night. So it's after it's kind of a little frustrating, considering how well they started the season. So I want to know your guys' thoughts on how the women's team should adjust moving forward because they're starting to lose that the momentum they had to start.
1: Yeah. Um... It's a good thing they started out uh, hot early just so they got, they're staying above 500 or uh, keeping afloat, as they'd say. Um, I think the main issue I'd see now, just looking over the games, is you're lacking some consistency. You know, you seem to win by a pretty decent margin by double digits, but when you're losing, you're also losing by double digits. And that's not something you want to see. Um, I know you probably rather get beat that way because, you know, the, the close losses are way harder to overcome mentally. Um, It's really taxing uh, just on the mindset, but maybe we just need to get in that groove of playing just more consistent basketball overall, keeping games closer, finding ways to limit the turnovers, uh, stop the transition points, just get back to fundamental basketball. Um, Once you lock down those things, you'll start to see pull away more. You'll beat the inferior teams that you feel you should beat, And then down the road, you'll even start winning games that you feel you shouldn't, or maybe people didn't think you would um, early on. So that's kind of the mindset I feel like they need to keep moving forward. Um, obviously, like you said, um, as of late, hasn't been that hot, but there's all there's always room to improve, always ways to turn around. So they have plenty of time left to figure things out.
2: Yeah, they've definitely been, been on a, like a little bit of a, a skid, you know, dropped the past two, and I think it's four out of the last five. Yeah. Um, on a positive note, um, Aniah Hubbard's look great. Um but it's kind of a double-edged sword, a little bit, because the it seems like the offense runs through her a little too much. So whenever she's not um, kind of like in that rhythm, like pushing twenty points a game, it's like the offense is kind of a little stagnant at times. So you know, finding ways to like uh, spread the ball around a little more, I think, will kind of ease some of some of those. Um, but like like Zach said, just get back to fundamental basketball. That's um, take it one game at a time and I would say just get back to fundamentals. That's um, all they can really do. Don't let it, um, you know, snowball into the rest of the season because we're getting, you know, not not towards the end of it. We're You know, we're getting in towards the middle of conference play now. These are the games in January um, that you have to win if you're going to uh, kind of be taken seriously, like at the end of the year in March. So, yeah, just get back to fundamentals, and maybe they can write this little skit they've been on.
0: Yeah, and as you mentioned, Zach, the the close game, the lack of close games they've had this season, they only had two games where the final score was five points or less, and only two. And both were wins, uh, the first one being a 68-66 win over Sacred Heart, and then uh, the 66-61 victory over North Texas uh, this past December. So it is concerning that they've either won in a blowout or lost in a blowout. And throughout, throughout most of the whole season, throughout most of the season. So it should be crucial uh, that they try to win in more comfortable margins, but it should also be important that they like go through these situations where they're, this, the score the game is tight and they need to like lock in and make some key plays to come through with very good solid victories. And they could do that this week as they play at home, both games against UTSA on Thursday at 7 p.m. and Saturday at 2 p.m. against UTEP. So best luck to them, and hopefully they can snap out of their uh, losing ways this throughout the past couple of weeks. And with that, that will conclude our section with FU Sports as we head on to national sports, and we will first take a look at the NFL. Well, the regular season ended as we are in playoff mode. Uh, the wild card concluded this past weekend. And we saw some pretty good comeback victories and some uh, sad losses for a particular quarterback legend in Tom Brady, who lost in uh, not the best way possible as he lost to the Dallas Cowboys at home, mind you. So... And of course, we will talk about the other matchups. But uh, I just want to know, like, with this, 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 the most recent matchup between the Bucks and Cowboys, uh, what are your thoughts on what went down in that matchup? Then, what do you see for Tom Brady moving forward?
1: Um, first, I'll just touch on the game. Um, very lackluster on both sides. It just seemed like they weren't ready. Obviously, not a good game by Tom, um considering how lackluster the offense had been all season. It seemed like they played their worst football when it was most important. And that's never a good sign. Um, you don't like to see that. Todd Bowles just so many times. It seemed like the Cowboys had perfectly drawn up plays and, you know, you normally I'd give them credit except for the fact that it was Dan Quinn and Mike McCarthy leading the charge, who I don't really respect as like the offense gurus of the league. So the fact that they were getting absolutely torched in that regard was just embarrassing. Um, So many blown coverages. It was painful to watch. I think I turned the game off at halftime just because I could tell there, it wasn't like you were going to get a halftime speech of the ages and turn it around. It was just poor football all around. Um, as for Tom and moving forward, you know, one of the things I I expected him to move on anyway, but one of the real telltale signs is if you ever see a guy thanking the media for doing their job or being really sentimental in their postgame speech, it that kind of tells you that they're kind of giving their parting gifts, like saying their buys. Um, that's kind of the vibe I got from that. So the Bucks are in a very bad state heading into the 2023-2024 season. So um, we'll see how that works out for them.
2: Yeah, as far as the game itself went, um, Bucks didn't look great. Um, you know, I t- I t- Todd Bowles just didn't look like he had much of a game plan. And, you know, Tom Brady looked every – last second of 45 out there and he looked older than that there were there are some some plays where it's like oh how the heroes have fallen they're just not even just like bad like physically bad throws just like kind of boneheaded throws like what you're the greatest quarterback what are, what are we doing here but as far as the cowboys it doesn't really change my opinion on them much because in. Any other NFL season besides this year, the Bucks aren't even in the playoffs and they're just not a, they're not a playoff team. They're a team that's happened to be in the playoff, if that makes any type of sense at all. Um, so it, I'm not down on the Cowboys, but this win doesn't, you know, make me like want to buy any stock in them anymore. Um, as far as Brady, I'm not sure what to, what to think, what he's going to do, because like he like Zach said the situation they have like the bucks because of like their cap because of what they had to pay for that Super Bowl and things like that um no idea what they're gonna what what he's gonna do and no one does because it's Tom Brady and we saw like the nonsense kind of diva stuff he did on the last off season. so no one has any clue I feel like yeah and we won't know for sure until
0: Brady makes an official announcement of whether he's retiring or playing for one more year. That's it. And as we look at the other games that passed, um, uh, San Francisco pretty much took the most expected win out of all the wild cards, beating Seattle 41 to 23. And then the rest of the matchups, they were all determined by one score, which is pretty incredible. Um, Buffalo held off uh, an inspiring effort from the Miami Dolphins before ultimately pulling away 34-31. The Jags uh, coming back from a big deficit to beat Justin Herbert and the Chargers 31-30. The Giants pulling off an upset victory over the division winners in the in the Minnesota Vikings 31-24. And then Cincinnati, uh, it, it's funny how they got the game-winning touchdown. Um, I'm pretty sure you know what I'm talking about. The the Ravens quarterback the failed quarterback sneak from the Ravens as Cincinnati went on to win twenty four to seventeen in the end um, these wild card games were pretty crazy to be honest and uh, what do you guys think of how all of that went down
1: um my initial Thoughts after watching the game Um, two teams that I want to call out specifically are the bills and the Bengals. You played backup quarterbacks who were on teams that were able to get in. But, you know, if you really wanted to prove to the fans that you were super bowl contenders, you had to win those games pretty handily. Um, And you should have, but from what I saw, Josh Allen just continues to make turnover worthy plays that cannot happen in the playoffs, especially if you see yourself as a super bowl contender and on the Bengals side of things, Joe Burrow got outplayed by Tyler Huntley Um, and as hard as it is to say that, you know, that can't happen. Uh, Maybe it was an off game. You know, maybe you just had a bad game and you were able to squeak out a win because that is what good teams do. But, you know, from the bill side of things you gave up 31 points to Skylar Thompson. What the, what are you going to do if Patrick Mahomes rolls into your territory? What, what's going to happen then? Like that, there's a lot of things they're going to have to make adjustments on, you know, maybe it was a proper wake up call, but um, the last thing I'll say, and this is more so about Justin Herbert and the Chargers, they need to get Justin Herbert out of there, save, save his career. I <laughs> the Chargers are just a abysmal franchise. That cannot happen. Like, good lord.
0: You I don't know if it's
1: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that just hurt to watch. I mean, I'm all for Trevor Lawrence and him going out Waffle House after the game and that stuff. But if you throw four interceptions, you don't deserve to win a playoff game. That that should be physically impossible.
2: Yeah, um, I don't like you calling the the Vikings game an upset that we, we talked about this, you know, I on um, I know we did on a podcast in the first semester that the Vikings are gonna live and die by what Kirk Cousins allows them to do, and he checks it down fourth and eight with the season on the line. Like he's not the guy. It's the so most Kirk the Cousins guy. throw I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> but, um but as as far as the bills game, i and we I think Zach, you brought this up in an episode last semester that like Josh Allen has got to be like they're gonna that's gonna get them him not being careful with the football, and you know, having more turnovers than the average quarterback is gonna come with like their offense and like throwing the ball forty times a game, but like you when it, like running, you've gotta protect the football you whenever you can't be like forcing these balls at every single throw. That's gonna get them. This that game is bad vibes for Bills fans when it's freezing cold up there and third string led Miami Dolphins come up there and give you a game in the freezing cold. That's that's bad vibes. Um, but like you said, that could be a wake-up call heading in. Um, it sets up a matchup between FAU Legends, Motor Singletary, and Trey Hendrickson. So it'll be fun to watch. Yeah.
0: And as we look at the divisional round, the Jags take on the Chiefs, which is going to be very interesting. The Giants against the Eagles. Oof. The Bengals and the, and the, and the Bills. Almost said Bulls. Um, the Cowboys and the 49ers. I do have one question for you guys. And, and there are two teams. Who is your favorite to win it all? And who will be, who is the most vulnerable? out of the out of the eight remaining. Um
1: I mean most vulnerable, I'm gonna have to stick with the Bills. Um they just have a lot of questions that I'm honestly they're just gonna have to show show me. Um my favorite to win, as much as I hate to say it, um right now it's the 49ers. They just look like juggernauts. I mean Brock Purdy played a such a mediocre game and the fact that they put up 41 points with him throwing such questionable passes. I mean, I get he's a rookie. He's Mr. Irrelevant. But, you know, you're a playoff team now, so I have to gauge you under a different scope. Like, if they're viewing you as a guy that's going to lead you to a playoff victory or a Super Bowl win, for that matter, like, you've you've got to be held to a higher standard. So that's kind of why I'm so hard on him. Um, But they just look unstoppable. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, what, they have, like, what, nine, ten-game win streaks since he showed up? Like, it's Unreal how much he's changed the dynamic of that team. And I think it's more so on Kyle Shanahan's kind of offensive philosophy. It shows how important a strong running back is in his system. And he's obviously utilizing that very well, but players like George Kittle, Debo Samuel. And I, I haven't even talked about their defense. It's absolutely ridiculous how fast and how strong they play on the defensive side of the ball. So they're, they're my favorites. Bill's definitely a big question mark, but I already said enough on them.
2: I'm going to be kind of boring. Just just looking at, like, the matchups this week, I'm going to kind of say maybe the most vulnerable is the Jags. I, I I don't like like that going into Kansas City. Um, But I'd say my favorite – I'd probably have to go with, with the Chiefs as well because I honestly think that will come down to Chiefs-Eagles. Once it's, like, a boring pick, picking the one seeds. But – and if it were to – were to come down to that I just trust would put, put more trust in Patrick Mahomes to like go and win who's in you know been in that game situation and that's not to discredit Jalen Hurts I think he's great or discredit the Eagles they're like have arguably the most loaded roster they've made all those moves to get to that point and it's why they have that record but you know like I trust Patrick Mahomes you know the best quarterback in the league to go win that game just a little bit more so I think i the lean Chiefs for my favorite.
0: Mm. Yeah, I understand that. Um, I would go with the Chiefs as a close second. As my pick for the favorite would be the Eagles. As long as Jalen Hurts is healthy, that roster can go as deep as they want to go, especially to the Super Bowl. They're probably the favorite to win it. Like, And then behind them comes the Chiefs, as alongside Patrick Mahomes. When it comes to most vulnerable, of course they would be. Uh, most likely be one of the teams with the weaker records like the Jags or the Giants. But A, hey, um, anything can happen. And we saw what happened with the Jags as they went, came back from down. Like it was, it, they were like down 27 points. If I remember correctly. Yeah. They were down like 27 and then they came back just like that. So even if they go down big against the Chiefs, anything can happen. But of course the, the Chiefs are much different than the Chargers and probably have a better defense than the Chargers did. So we'll see what happens there. But when it comes to the Giants, I think they will be the most vulnerable. But no matter what, they did exceed a lot of people's expectations. I don't think anybody expected them to be this deep in the playoffs, especially beating the Vikings in the wild card. So, hey, credit to the Giants where it's due. Like Incredible season for them no matter what happens against the Eagles next week but I think they will be the most vulnerable to go out in the divisional round. And as we move on from the NFL, we head on to our last topic of the day and it's the NBA. Well, we're halfway into the season with the NBA. A lot of things have happened. A lot of things have stayed the same. A lot of things erupted and the Celtics are still having the best record in the NBA and the Grizzlies as well. And the Nuggets uh surprising to say the least. Um, and then we have all-star voting as fans continue to spam votes for people who <laughs> don't deserve to be in the top 10. And as much as I love Derek Rose, he's one of my favorite players ever. Um, he does not deserve to be there, especially if he's off hasn't been playing a lot recently, as Jalen Bronson and Julius Randall should be in the top 10 at the very least. They have been having great seasons the Knicks are doing much better than they did last year so it should be a good argument as to why fans shouldn't play a a major role in who gets to be in the uh, a starter in the all-star game because the bench is determined by the coaches and the media and all that stuff so uh, I want to know your guys takes on should fans have a play (laughs) should play a major role in voting which players get to be in the all-star game
1: Absolutely not. Not even close. Um, I do not trust the average fan and their mindset of professionals. Um, There's a reason why these guys are professionals trusted to the executives to make the decision who's been playing the best basketball. What I would pose um, as an alternative to kind of keep fans involved is they should vote in alternates or even like the deeper bench slots um kind of your fan favorite guys like I feel like in years past I could have seen Alex Caruso made an all-star team as like a reserve or mm-hmm. an alternate just because of like how much hype he had around him and how how much of like a meme he was um, that's kind of how I view it but like in what world is Kevin Looney uh, an all-star like please please tell me because another big issue for me like I, I wouldn't mind as much if all-stars weren't that important, but when people talk about like career debates and they like go up against one another, they're like, Oh, well this guy's an eight, nine time NBA all-star. W- what does that mean to me when he's starting alongside Kevin Looney and who, who else is on here that I need to pull out? Oh, Jared Allen and Paul Banchero. Like, I'm sorry, like these guys are great players. Don't get me wrong, but all-star caliber, like, come on, man. I just feel like we're getting a little bit ridiculous. It was, it's, Obviously an issue in other sports as well. I know in baseball, it's a huge issue for me because the one year the Royals were World Series, they had like seven guys on an all-star roster. And I'm like, that that's not what an all-star is. You're telling me a guy that puts up ridiculous numbers isn't making it in some of these other guys. Like Jalen Brunson, you called out. That's a guy that definitely deserves to be in. Julius Randle definitely deserves to be in. Guys that are even lower on this list that deserve to be higher, Larry Markins having an incredible year for the Jazz, only sitting at the seven spot. Really? I, I think we have what? Do we have every single Golden State player? Yeah, we have every single Golden State player on uh, the Western Conference side. So that kind of lets you know how much fan voting has, like, destroyed the All-Star game. At least they fixed the game itself. It's at least fun to watch now. Except I just wish they actually had All-Star players playing in it.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, they need to abolish fan voting tomorrow. Because it, it ultimately just comes down, like, teams with the biggest, like the big once again like the big market teams win again they have the largest fan base they're going to have the most votes that's what it comes down to and i'm sure somehow somewhere out there there is some like crazy nba fan that's like on a, making a bot somewhere to like put like 10,000 votes or something like there i'm sure I'm, there has to be at least it's happened at least one time so i think they should like default to like voting of players coaches and like executives those are like or maybe not executives maybe like players and coaches who are, like, there on the floor. Like, that's, like, the highest opinion of basketball, I think we should, like, default to. But there are ways that you can, like, involve fans. I am i don't really can't think – Zach's was a great one. I'm going to, like – that should be delegated to people more creative than myself. But there are ways to, like, involve fans without, you know, having scrubs in them all-star game not scrubs that's scrubs scrubs not scrubs, scrubs. <laughs> scrubs. Not scrubs. Not scrubs.
0: <laughs> but yeah i do i definitely do think that's we fixed uh, as soon as possible and we'll see we'll see how the all-star voting ends up because it's not done yet like we still got plenty of still got a little bit of time left until they reveal the starters and the captains and you know everybody else and then There's not
1: a single Kings player. There's not a single Kings player for how well they played this year. They couldn't think tough. of a single guy
0: we to sneak us. in. No Fox. No market. Oh, my God, dude. Wall market. Uh, and there has been oh, – I would like to take a look at the Lakers. Um, They did better uh, since we last spoke. um, They did have a five-game winning streak. And while they did have back-to-back losses, they did recover last night with a win over Houston very expected. But in those two losses against the Mavericks and the and the 76ers, officiating has, well, did not do them any favors as they kind of bluffing about Joel Embiid holding Russell Westbrook's arm at the end of the game. And then uh, some fouls that went uncalled against the Mavericks and LeBron said he was frustrated on Twitter after somebody mentioned it. So <laughs> Do you guys think uh, officiating is going other ways in in ways that it shouldn't against certain teams?
1: Um, you know, I wouldn't consider myself a conspiracy theorist, but when it comes to professional sports, it seems like officiating is skewed during some games um, for certain teams to keep narratives. Um, but I'll kind of hold my tongue when it comes to that. What I will say, though, is is Officials across all sports, not only basketball, have gotten really bold in making the game about them. I mean, the other night we saw Jason Tatum literally clap after not getting a foul call, and they teed him up instantaneously. I mean, I, I don't know what it is that's made these officials feel like they are judge, jury, and executioner in the NBA. Like, I get you have a responsibility to uphold the standards of the game, but like, just because you got your feelings hurt, I'm
0: oh no, I'm I'll- not. <laughs>
1: oh yeah like,
2: they don't want we're not there to watch them maybe so man
1: yeah like oh my gosh dude like what am i watching i don't i don't get it I, it's infuriating for the fans to watch because you know one of the big things that we talk about year in year out is pace of play you know we want to make games smoother faster to keep the fans more engaged Yet you continue to hire and rehire official officials and officiating crews that want to make every call known to man in order to feel like they play a part in this whole process. And it's a joke. It really is a joke. I feel like the best officials are the ones you don't have to point their name out or you barely even notice they're there. That's what a good official is. And it, it does suck when you have to have these conversations. Cause if a fan's able to say, Oh, we didn't win because of the officiating, that, that that's just an excuse. Like it, and it shouldn't be an excuse. And sometimes it does matter. Sometimes it doesn't, but I don't want that to be the end all be all for how I view basketball.
2: Yeah, no, I definitely agree that it's like like the officiating is just skewed. If that make like if that's even the right term, in like both the game part of it, as in like it's so hard to play defense now because it's either like foul them and possibly like they send them to the line or give up an and one, or you know like, just, you can't play defense. It's hard, and that's probably why we're seeing, like, the most players average, like, 20-plus, tw- it's like 55 or something like that, and, like, more points are scored this year, like, more than anything. It's just so hard to play defense now with, like, the officiating. And if I'm, if I'm not, like, mistaken, I thought there was, like, a rule change or something in the off season like, a year or two ago, where they were, like, trying to fix that. Like, they were talking about, like, how Trey Young is not going to be able to score anymore because of that rule and things like that, but it, just I haven't seen any change. And then you like Zach said, there seems like they just want to insert. Them. Them.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and on like the, uh, like, on, like Zach said, like, they want to insert themselves in the game and they like want to, it seems like they just, they want to be players like so bad. Like they want to be part of like the jibber jabber, like the going back and forth. Like that, that's not what you're there for. Like it's, we're not here to watch you bro. Like just call the game. It's, I'm not sure why the NBA isn't doing something about it. Cause they're going to lose fans by like he's Zach said, like these slow games, because everybody is just going to the free throw line and you need, you want those fast paced games that are keeping fans engaged. And it's just not what the product of the NBA is right now.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and as I specifically look at the Lakers Mavericks game, the one that went to overtime, um, Troy Brown Jr. Uh, probably getting fouled on the three point shot, like, they say like they met both hands, which is usually not called a foul, but it looked like a foul to me. And then you have another uh call in overtime that went uncalled against LeBron. And the ref that could have called it, he he tripped and fell down, uh, fell down to the floor, which probably ruined the Lakers' chances of winning that one. And so <laughs> it's very coincidental it and, and it and it definitely hurts for the Lakers as they could have have a better record and they could be in the playing, in one of the playing spots right now if those calls were actually made. So it's definitely very important for the officiating to be better and if these calls continue to get uncalled and if the refs continue to put themselves into the game and continue to ruin the rhythm and flow of both both teams, it's definitely not going to resonate well with the fans and they will turn away from it. So it's definitely an issue that they should the nba should focus on and maybe put some fines on these refs and like to tell them hey you have to make these calls if you see a call that should be called make it if you don't make it and we see that you didn't make it expect uh, like some consequences to result from that
1: yeah uh, for me personally i think the greatest fix across any sport and i don't know why they do this if a player has to go and play a bad game and they have to sit in a press conference and answer questions about it, why are we not doing the same to officials? I promise you they will not make as many bad calls as they would if they were forced to sit in front of a crowd of reporters and have to answer for why they made the calls they did or why they responded the way they did. Because number one, they sure as hell wouldn't want to be in the limelight anymore as much as they demand it during games. And number two, it would immediately address and fix the issue of why some officials make the calls that they do. Like, if you under, if a guy goes out to defend himself and he says, in a if an official sits down in a post-game conference and is like, you know, I didn't really catch that, um, that's a mistake on me, I didn't get there, completely understandable. If he just blatantly outright denies it, don't need him in the league anymore. Sorry.
0: Yeah, definitely agreed, and hopefully the official is better from here on out. Though, that can always be debatable. With that, that'll be it for this episode of You Press Play Sports. Make sure to hit like and subscribe, click the bell to keep up with notifications from us. Also, be sure to go on upressonline.com to keep up with news, sports, and more content alike. To follow us on Twitter, it's for me, at rich26pereira, for Cameron, at PriesterCameron, and for Zach, at ZachWatts1underscore. Thanks for watching, everybody, and have a great day.